Welcome, everybody, to Off the Cuff. I am Adam Banks. Merry Christmas to you and your family. Coming at you live from Lexington, Kentucky. Is another episode of Off the Cuff, episode 192. It is the holiday season. Christmas time is upon us. Christmas, it's it seems like that every year when Christmas is here, I'm always either really into the Christmas spirit or I'm just not out of it. And this year, I'm actually in the Christmas spirit. Uh, and this is the first time I've been in the Christmas spirit for a while. Usually, I get bogged down with just the stress of shopping and the holidays. But now, I'm actually excited. I'm ready to go. i got all my Christmas shopping done thanks to online shopping, thanks to not wrapping my presents, putting them in gift bags, which is the easy way to go, by the way. Just buying the tissue paper, 50 sheets for $3, and buying those dollar bags from the dollar store. It pretty much saves a lot of time for you if you're looking for another alternative other than wrapping. But it is Christmas time, and I hope everybody has a great Christmas. So uh, let's get to the news and see what's going on in the world today. A few things that I want to talk about. Uh, I hate to start off on such a horrible note for the podcast since it is the holiday season, but some tragic news has happened, unfortunately. And it happened right here in the state of Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky State Representative Dan Johnson committed suicide after sexual assault accusations emerged. These sexual allegations have been continuing. Uh, We hear it in the celebrity world, and we're even hearing it in our lives. People we know are getting accused of sexual harassment and sexual assault. You hear about, uh, like I heard about a cardiologist that had been a cardiologist at this hospital from my hometown uh, for over 20 years. And he was fired because he was accused of sexual harassment. And now... Again, you hear about a local state representative here in Kentucky, and he was the state representative from Bullock County in Mount Washington, and he killed himself right before Christmas. And I think suicide is a very selfish thing to do. I've never been put in that situation to where I've had that darkness surrounding me, to where I've had suicidal thoughts. So I do sympathize with people who have those thoughts because I don't know what that's like. But to me, it still seems so selfish because you're leaving behind people that love you and people that really need you and depend on you. He was also a preacher. He was a Republican. And he was only 57 years old. So the story behind this is a woman accused him of sexually assaulting her back when she was 17 years old. So this was years ago because the woman now is a much older adult. So she comes forward Now, because this just seems like the trend to do, she comes forward and says that this man sexually assaulted her. He did shoot himself on a bridge in Bullock County, and his body turned up on a riverbank near the bridge, and the weapon he used, the gun that he used, was found at the scene. And one of the things that's very sad about this is Dan Johnson took to Facebook to write his suicide note, and I'm going to read it now. This is from Don or from Dan Johnson's Facebook page, he says, The accusations from NPR are false, and God, and only God, knows the truth. Nothing is the way they make it out to be. America will not survive this type of judge. 
and jury fake news. Conservatives take a stand. I love God and I love my wife, who is the best wife in the world, my love forever. My mom and dad, my family, and all five of my kids and nine grandchildren, two in tummies and many more to come, each of you are a total gift from God. Stay strong. Rebecca needs you. 9-11-2001, NYC, World Trade Center, PSD, 24-7, 16 years is a sickness that will take my life. I cannot handle it any longer. It has won this life, but heaven is my home. Please listen closely. Only three things I ask you to do if you love me. One, blame no person. Satan is the accuser, so blame the devil himself. Number two, forgive and love everyone, especially yourself. And number three, most importantly, love God. P.S. I love my friends. You are family. God loves all people, no matter what. You see this, and your heart goes out to this man, and your heart goes out to the families. I find this so tragic and so sad. Look at the family that he left behind. He had five kids, nine grandchildren, and he had some on the way, and I'm sure he had more to come. Very sad. And I'm here to tell these women who come forward with these sexual allegations, you know, it's unfortunate what happened to you, and I'm very sad that this happened to you. And I think it's um, it's not right. And I think that Dan Johnson, if he did do this, which some reports are saying that it was proved that he did it, uh, but regardless, if he didn't do it, what a tragic way to go. It's like being put on death row for a crime that you didn't commit. And Dan Johnson, even up to his last day, he stood by his truth. He said that he didn't do it. And uh, we'll never know. We'll never know. And like he said, God knows and only God knows what really happened. But my message to the people who come forward with these sexual allegations, to make sure you know what you're doing. Make sure that you have all of the facts. Don't go on just what you think might have happened or don't go on what you uh, don't stretch the truth not even in the slightest, because you are messing with people's lives, people's livelihood. This man was a preacher. This man was a uh, a good man. He served God by pastoring a church. He, you know, he, well, I don't know if he pastored. There's a difference in a pastor and a preacher, but this man obviously was a guy who meant a lot to a lot of people. He had kids, he had family, and if you come forward as an accuser and accuse somebody of sexual harassment and you don't have all your facts straight and you don't tell the full story, you could cause the person that you accuse to do something like this. So I'm not trying to tell you to keep quiet and to keep silent if you have been sexually accused. By all means, come forward. But make sure that you know what you're doing. Make sure that you have all the facts straight because once you go public with something like this, There's really no turning back. It's amazing to me that this keeps happening. The trend is all of these people are coming forward with sexual allegations against people. And I don't understand why you didn't do it when it happened. Why are you coming out now about it? I mean, are you getting the confidence to come out about it? Apparently so. Just make sure that you are not stretching the truth at all. And if you have been sexually assaulted, then by all means, come forward. But be careful 
with what you say and do because these are people's lives that you are messing with, and it's not a joke. I talked about on one of the episodes here on the show about men who have been sexually assaulted or sexually harassed in the workplace, and I encourage men to come forward because it happens to men too. I feel like that women get the advantage uh, with situations like this because they are more vulnerable than most men. And a lot of strong women like to stand by their women rights and they like to use their gender as a platform to help them get what they want. For instance, here is another story that's in the news. Kat Sadler. If you don't know who Kat Sadler is, she is the co-anchor of E! News, and she reportedly quit her job as the co-anchor of E! News because she says that there was a severe salary gap between her and her co-star of E! News, Jason Kennedy. Well, U.S. Weekly released the salaries of both Jason Kennedy and Kat Sadler, and it's true. Kat Sadler, who is 43, she was making around $600,000 a year to be the co-anchor of E! News. $600,000 a year. That's more money than the President of the United States makes a year. That's more money than the average doctor makes a year. To, to be on television, to live in Los Angeles, to be famous, to get all the perks that comes with being the co-anchor of E! News, you're also making $600,000 a year. That's just something that you wouldn't think many people would complain about. But you still have it. Kat Sadler, uh, she was making that much. And her co-anchor, Jason Kennedy, was making about a million dollars $1.2 million at most a year. But E says that it has nothing to do with gender, but rather seniority. And Jason's ranking was higher than Kat Sadler's at the time in the company. See, for a while, Juliana Ranzik was making more money than Jason Kennedy. She's a female, but she was listed as anchor one, and Jason Kennedy was ranked as anchor two. And then when Juliana Ranzik left E! News, Jason Kennedy became Anchor 1, and Kat Sadler became Anchor 2. So Anchor 1 always makes more money than Anchor 2. Jason Kennedy's wife got on Twitter, and she made a lot of sense. And you know I love people who make sense and put things into perspective and use logic. She tweeted, Women are paid accordingly on the E! Network, and the difference in Jason's salary versus... Kat Sadler's salary did not affect Jason. He knows there are always more components to consider when determining one's salary than gender alone. She also tweeted, I believe in female empowerment and gender equality, but it's heartbreaking that a network is being deemed sexist. That is simply not true. And I have to agree with her. The E-Network is not a sexist network. If it was a sexist network, then you could pull everybody's salary and uh, find out if it is or not. But I guarantee you, if you pull people's salary and you have a man and a woman doing the same exact job, that you're going to have some men making more than women, and you're going to have some women making more than men. It has nothing to do with gender. It's about the ranking in the company, and it makes sense. Jason was anchor one. Kat was anchor two. Anchor one is going to make more. If Jason Kennedy ever left the company, Kat Sadler would have been put in the role of Anchor 1, and the replacement of Jason would have been put in the role of Anchor 2, and then the salaries would have been paid out accordingly. But Kat Sadler, of course, she wants to take this 
whole entire situation and turn it into a sexist situation, saying that she is being treated differently simply because she's a woman. What a baby. Kat Sadler, good riddance. I hope that you never find another job in entertainment because of this. Because who makes $600,000 a year and complains that she's not making a million dollars a year? You had more opportunity at that job than what you'll ever have the rest of your life. And I will be shocked if you land another job like you had in entertainment. And you're going to look back on this and you're going to have a lot of regret because you're trying to turn everybody into believing that you were being paid differently on your gender alone. Now you have other female celebrities tweeting out things like, when are companies like E! Entertainment going to understand that women should be paid fairly? Half of her male counterpart is not appropriate. I mean, see, so now you got a bunch of women coming out and supporting Kat Sadler, saying, yes, women rights, yes, women should be paid equally, blah, 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 blah. Shut up. Shut up. Women are paid equally. They are. Uh, sometimes, I'm sure, it happens that men are paid more, and sometimes it's uh, it happens that women are paid more. And it sickens me that women use their gender as a crutch and use their gender as an excuse to why they aren't as successful as some men. And in this case, it was strictly about ranking, and she's turning it into something completely different. So Kat Sadler, I hope that you never find another job in entertainment. Because if you want to take something like this and bark about your gender, saying that it's all because of your gender, then I have no respect for that. If it was true, if you guys started at the same time and you guys were paid differently, I could see a case. But there are several situations like this where... Uh, like uh, like live with Regis and Kelly, Regis Philbin made more than Kelly Ripa. But when uh, Kelly took over as anchor one on Live with Regis and Kelly, and then Michael Strahan came, Kelly made more than Michael. And then here comes Ryan Seacrest and takes over Michael's spot. Kelly Ripa still makes more than Ryan Seacrest. I mean, <laughs> Kelly Ripa's a woman. Last time I saw, Ryan Seacrest is a man. Last time I saw, Kelly Ripa makes more. So. I mean, what's the difference here? It's ranking. And E was doing the same thing as what CBS was doing. It's all about ranking. So it's very disrespectful to all women around the world for people like Kat Sadler to use her gender as an excuse of why she's not getting paid as much. And it downplays other women who are being treated differently in the workplace if it truly is happening. All right, in other news, and I find this to be very exciting, Vince McMahon could be bringing back the XFL. And this has been circulating as rumors for the past couple weeks, but now new reports are making it look like that this thing is actually a reality, and it's not a rumor. The XFL could be coming back. Let me play you a clip from back in 2001 when the XFL first debuted, and here is the welcome message from the owner, Vince McMahon.
lasted for one season. It had eight teams, and one season is all it lasted. But you were going up against the NFL, the biggest league in America, and at the time the XFL debuted in 2001, it really wasn't a good time. Timing is everything when you're doing a business venture, and at the time the XFL, it didn't debut at the right time. 2017, 2018, I think that it would be the best time for the XFL to debut because of the recent controversy with all of the NFL uh, because, you know, you have NFL players being very unpatriotic, not kneeling during the national anthem. And I'm sure the XFL is going to take the approach to be very patriotic and it's wanting to steal fans away from the NFL uh, to bring them over to the XFL. And Vince McMahon truly thinks that it will work this time. And he does have a point. It really could. Vince is very serious about this. He actually sold $100 million worth of World Wrestling Entertainment stock to finance his new venture in restoring the XFL. The XFL was very similar to the NFL. It played the game of football, but it did things differently. It had much more of a entertainment aspect to it. It was putting on more of a show than what a regular football game would. And I think that something like this would revolutionize the world of sports forever if the XFL debuted and it actually succeeded and competed against the NFL. But with all of the controversy going on in, in the NFL, was it an, is that enough to actually break the NFL down? Can the NFL actually fall flat on its face if the XFL comes? I don't think it will actually fall flat on its face, but I will. I do think that it will cause the NFL to lose its number one ranking as the best sports league in America. I think that the NBA will jump up to being number one, the NFL will fall to number two, and then the XFL, depending on the success of it, could be as high as number three on that list. So I don't think it will take over the NFL, but I do think that it will cause fans from the NFL to switch over to the XFL, which is great. I love competition. I hate Monopoly. I hate when people, there's only one game in town, and nobody likes competition like Vince McMahon. I mean, his he works better when he has competition. He beat WCW out in one of the best Monday Night Wars that ever existed in sports entertainment. And Vince has competed against the NFL before by going up every Monday night against Monday Night Football. 
It was always Monday Night Raw versus Monday Night Football, and sometimes Monday Night Raw would beat out Monday Night Football. So if you have Vince McMahon actually competing against the NFL with a football franchise or a football league, I'm sorry, then it could happen. It truly could, and I'm excited to see what happens with that. Now, people laugh at this, and they think it's a joke. Oh, the XFL could never succeed. Nothing could ever be the NFL. There is nothing too powerful and too sturdy to stay forever, and it's all about timing. I think if there was ever a time to start the XFL, it is now. It didn't work in 2001, but like I said, timing is everything. I think it can work in 2018, and I'm excited to see what happens with that. In the studio, I have my little brother, Elijah, 12 years old, born in 2005. He is he looks at me like I'm his idol. He, he loves me, don't you, Elijah? Yeah. He does, and he's here in the Off the Cuff studios to talk a little off the cuff. He's a big fan of the show. He listens to the show. He just listened to the 10 Most Fascinating People episode, but you've listened to quite a bit, haven't you? Yeah, I have. How many have you listened to? Uh... 130. You've listened to 130 of the 191? No, no. Okay, I was about to say. (laughs) I'm just joking. Okay. So, we... He said he wanted to be part of the podcast. He wanted to do an episode. So, we tried to think of a topic that we could talk about that he's good at and is very knowledgeable about that he could talk about on the show. So, we've decided to talk about the evolution of video games. And do you know a lot about video games? Uh, yeah, how many hours a day do you think you play them? Probably two hours. Two hours a day? Bull. You play maybe <laughs> two hours in your sleep, but you play video games all day, every day. So we start out with something called, you think you know about video games until I start talking about these. Arcade games were big, I think really before anything got big, and Pac-Man was kind of that game that everybody played. And Pac-Man is a pretty universal game now that you can download it on apps. But Pac-Man was big. The pinball machine was big. But Atari really took that gaming system to a new level because it took those arcade games, and that's kind of what Atari was. It was just arcade games that you could pretty much format it to your to a box so you could plug it into your TV and play it on your TV. And But Nintendo changed the game when they come out in the late to well mid 80s late 80s yeah they came out and mario brothers which was created by a bunch of japanese guys created that game and uh really kind of revolutionized the way we play nintendo because nintendo is people used to just call video games i'm playing nintendo and everybody knew what you was talking about uh but uh, did you ever play a regular Nintendo, like the plain Jane, like 1986 Nintendo? I've played a SNES, but not a NES. You've played a Wii. Yeah, I have played a Wii. Have you played the Super Mario? Oh, uh, yeah, I've played Super Mario. Not Super Mario, the Super Nintendo? Uh, yeah, okay. I have. Well, and PlayStation kind of uh, was the next big wave in gaming systems. And then Xbox. And they kind of came out at the same time. And it's a toss-up between which is bigger, PlayStation or Xbox. I now think there's it's, PC and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, now they have the PC games and uh, the little... What do you call the games that is portable? They used to be called Game Boys, but what are mm-hmm. they called now? Uh, it's called the Nintendo Switch, and 
Well, PlayStation has this thing called PlayStation Vita, and it's not all that great. Not a lot of people got into that. Now, no. you're, a, you're a gamer, mm-hmm. and you consider yourself one of the biggest gamers. No, I don't. Okay. Well, I have watched you personally play video games. You're really good at them. You play them all the time. Coming from a video gamer, what is your favorite video game console to play? Uh, probably right now, it's the Wii U. Because I don't have a Switch right now. And the thing about the Wii U is that not a lot of people got into that thing. It only sold about 13 million, the last recorded, sold um, since... I asked you what your favorite was, so here's a different question. There's a difference between your favorite and what is the best. Out of all of the gaming consoles created, what do you think was the best gaming console created? From Atari... To Nintendo, to PlayStation, to Xbox, to don't forget about the Sega Genesis, mm-hmm. to the Sega Saturn, to the Sega Dreamcast. What is the what is the number one gaming console, do you think, to ever be invented? Okay, well, the most innovative console would probably have to be the Nintendo Switch, but the most powerful console on the market right now... Now, this is a console, not a PC. PC is different from a console. So, the most powerful console right now would probably have to be the Xbox One X... Because, it, I mean, you look at that thing, like, the graphics are so amazing on that thing. Like, you could go on a hill, like, you know how, like, say you're on a hill, and then you just pop up. And then, like, on a PlayStation 4, the graphics are not that great. Well, they are pretty great. It was, at the time, one of the most powerful consoles, the PlayStation 4 Pro. And... Well, what you do here is the Xbox One X, you can go on a hill and then you could see like a tree 50 hills across from that hill. Wow, that's that's impressive. And I always said there's two types of people in this world, those who play PlayStation and those who play Xbox. And I'm, I've always been a PlayStation guy. What's that? Or Nintendo. Or Nintendo. <laughs> That's right. There are those people that play Nintendo. And I think you actually are a Nintendo guy, aren't you? I mean, like that, you like playing Nintendo? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, Elijah, thank you for being here in the studio. Loved it. Thank you for being here. Always fun to have you stop by. Well, he wanted to make an appearance on the show. And now you can say you have been a part of Off the Cuff. So thank you, brother. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for listening to another episode of Off the Cuff. I'm Adam Banks. Have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We will see you in the next episode.